0: Welcome to Leading for a Legacy. I'm your host, Meredith Schweitzer. In this show, we ask, what makes a cultural nonprofit leader whose staff, board, and the community you serve actually wanna follow? Join me as I unpack the leadership styles of some of the most influential museum directors and cultural sector nonprofit leaders across the nation, all to try to understand what it means to lead with your legacy in mind. Okay, we're back again with Alice Greenwald, president and CEO of the National September 11th Memorial and Museum. This week we're doing a special quick fire, so I've got a series of questions for Alice that she gives practical answers to. Be sure to join us next week when I have my guest, Nat Shidley, who runs Revolutionary Spaces in Boston, Massachusetts. Hi Alice, welcome back. Let's get into it. So what are your recommended resources for people interested in working with museums that deal with trauma and memorializing?
1: Well, the first thing I would say is that they need to go visit these museums. And, and sadly, there are many more of them these days. You know, the world has not given up on creating situations with terrible actions taken by people against other people. But in a more structured response, I would say that there are some great books to read about um, the creation of various memorial museums. You know, Ed Linenthal, a professor at uh, at Indiana University, wrote a book years ago about the uh, creation of the Holocaust Museum, and then he subsequently wrote a book about the creation of the Oklahoma City Memorial and Museum. So his works are really seminal in this regard, as are the writings of James Young, who uh, wrote The Texture of Memory about the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum. He's written a number of books about Holocaust museums around the world. And he published a book about a year ago. I think it's called The Stages of Memory, which extends to other memorials around the world, including the Utoya memorial in Norway where that terrible event happened with the um, campers on the Mm -hmm. island outside of Oslo. He's a wonderful writer and uh, has a deep understanding of the power of memory in conveying human values and how one confronts historical examples of traumatic events through the lens of memory, which becomes both stirring as well as inspirational while telling you you know reminding you of what human beings can do to one another they can also right. rise up and and go beyond them and and well, find hope find hope those are great suggestions
0: what should new leaders think about when recruiting board members
1: First and f- foremost, they have to be in alignment with the mission of the institution. You're going to be looking for people who have a natural proclivity to your subject matter, your mission, your objectives, and can bring quality ideas to help move the institution forward. Practically speaking, you need people who have resources, financial resources, who can help the institution. Although, you know, in many cases, you have a mix of people with strong financial resources and people who bring other kinds of resources that are needed, whether it's expertise or uh, some personal connection. We have, for example, a number of family members of victims on our board. They don't all have deep financial resources, but they are invaluable in keeping us um, focused on what matters and providing great advice. Right now in the museum field, the question I think is in every field. The question of diversity is front and center. We should have boards that reflect the communities we live in and the communities yeah. our institutions represent. And there needs to be much greater diversity in every respect. Tell me how you organize your meeting notes. Oh, well, I write them out. I'm a writer. You know, I, I go into meetings with outlines and notes and sometimes bullet points. And sometimes I even just write out a script, you know, <laughs> because the way the way I plan is that it's important for me to know what I'm thinking. And I know what I'm thinking by how I write. That's how I learn what what I'm actually thinking. So I like to go in well prepared, but I also have learned the absolute necessity of listening. It can't be all me talking. Um, and that never works well if that's all that happens. So it is a matter of engaging everyone in the meeting.
0: I love that. You know, there's a, an interview um, I saw once about Hillary Clinton said that that was her best thing, that she was great at notes, but that on the flip side, she was the best listener. I think those two things go hand in hand, kind of. Yeah,
1: you have to listen. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. What are some of the most valuable things that a director or CEO should take off of his or her plate and put onto an executive assistant's
1: plate? Scheduling meetings. I mean, seriously, that can take up an entire day. (laughs) And I don't want to have to focus my attention on that. And I have a fabulous, fabulous assistant who um, really makes my life work. And uh, she does all of that. She will also take um, incoming calls and requests from board members and VIPs. And she screens what the issues are. And she's able to tell me what the priorities are. So, you know, she will be the first, the first stop for most of the incoming calls and requests. Um, you know, what I spend my time doing is managing my team, making sure we are in communication with each other. Uh, Obviously, looking at the financials, making sure on personnel issues everything is being attended to. These are the things that I have to pay attention to. So, uh, having somebody to back me up in the other areas is is critical.
0: I think that's so crucial for people who have worked for directors and had a really hard time. That is what I would say almost the number one thing that that people can point to is that they you know, they weren't using their assistant correctly or they weren't scheduled. They were spending too much time scheduling and not enough time, you know, actually doing the work. So it's so fascinating. Okay. Last question. If you could hop in a time machine and talk to the version of yourself who just became the director of the museum, (laughs) what would you tell her to do differently? And what would you tell her to try to really enjoy in
1: the moment? Well, I will tell you that that person now, almost 15 years ago, was terrified. (laughs) You know, I knew that I was walking into something that I basically understood what had to happen, but I had never had to do it on my own. In many respects, when I look back on the process, you know, I took what I knew, but I learned by doing. And I don't think I would change anything. I mean, I think that we went step by step, I brought on great people, which was good fortune, you know, that these people were all available at that moment in time to work on this project and to share the journey with me. I remember before I left the Holocaust Museum, I confessed my terror <laughs> you know, to my one of my close colleagues who was the chief of staff there, a very good friend. And uh, he listened to me very patiently and then he looked at me and he said, they hired you for a reason. Don't worry about what you don't know. Just focus on what you do know. And I've never forgotten that advice. I've given it to other people because that got me through in a big way. It was, okay, I may not know how to do that, but I can find somebody who knows to do that. I know I have to focus on X, Y, and Z. These are the things I know and I can make them happen. And that really moved the project forward. So that advice would be, if you're asking me what advice would I give that person? I'd give the advice my friend gave me. It was so wise and it was so incredibly helpful. The one thing that I didn't do that I would ask myself to do if I were doing it over um, is every once in a while to step away from the details and to try to look at the big picture. You know, the the closer we got to opening, the more I was focused on. Every little detail. Was that artifact positioned properly? Look at that label. It needs to be redone because the corner is broken. You know, the lights aren't set properly. I mean, I was so, I had a checklist a mile long of things that needed to be fixed. I honestly did not take in the enormity of what we had produced
0: Mm.
1: and experience it as our visitors were experiencing it, probably until six months after we opened when I brought a friend through and I could see it through his eyes. And there's a value in a project of this scope and enormity um, and consequence in remembering that most of the public is not looking at the way the light is set or the corner of the label that's broken. They're taking in the whole thing. And being in touch with the power of the whole, I think, would have been very helpful, particularly as we got closer and closer to realizing The project and readying for opening.
0: Wow. These little quickfire things are great, but I just want to thank you again for spending a little bit more time with
1: us. We're done. Thank you, Meredith. It's been an absolute pleasure.